I don't know how to describe it other than like like a demon type of sound. But it's silhouetted, hulking, every bit of five and a half feet wide, 13 to 14 foot tall, pitch black. The one thing that ran through my mind when I had this encounter was I don't have a big enough gun. Your host, two-time witness and field researcher for more than 40 years, William Jevnik. Welcome to Creek Devil. Hello everyone, welcome to another edition of Creek Devil. Tom, would you like to introduce our guest today? Yeah, this is Anita, and Anita is a good friend of Forrest, our anthropologist. Um, and I'm going to let Anita tell her story, but it's pretty interesting, and it also, you know, frankly, it resonates with uh, a lot of other very similar encounters. But before we get into it, I just want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And if you like the show, let us know. Click the like and subscribe button if you haven't done so already. And if you think we've earned it and you want to support the show, you can do so. We have a link to Patreon in the description for as little as a dollar a month. Well, All right. I want to mention something first, Tom. Um, folks, you know, I've mentioned this numerous times and I'm going to keep asking. Um, we're doing a project, a special project, and it has nothing to do with books or this podcast or anything like that. Uh, we're looking for people from a family who's had somebody disappear under strange circumstances. Um, you know, and if you, if they think, uh, an unknown animal might be the reason that person disappeared, you know, we, we'd like to talk to you and it's a private conversation, so we'll explain more, but, uh, get a hold of us. And Tom, would you like to give out that info? Yeah. Just shoot us an email to questions at creekdevil.com and you can also email us wjevning j-e-v-n-i-n-g wjevning at gmail.com all right well anita would you like to tell us what happened well uh i go out and i'm urban legend hunter i was now i'm starting to lean toward bigfoot but i was around Saratoga doing the Bragg Road, which used to be a railroad, but now it's just a dirt road running between two farm roads, farm to market roads. Anyways, the Bragg Road was on one end and, and uh, the National Forest, the Sam Houston National Forest was on the other end. So I was doing the Bragg Road and all during the day, I just had this weird feeling that I was being watched and I came across a couple of deer feeders because we're in the swamps. And I saw big cat tracks, so I thought it was, you know, it was a cat. And so I kind of just was aware that there was a cat. I didn't think that there was anything else. But during the end of the day, as I was leaving, I saw something ahead of me, maybe 250, 300 feet. And it crossed the road with two steps, two steps, and it was across that road. So I speeded up real quick to get up there, but there was black water on both sides of the road. And it wasn't a deer hunter, you know, it, it wasn't one of those shrouds because it fits, it fits funny. You can tell this, whatever it was, it had, it had hair all over it. I mean, you could even see the big butt when it, when it moved the sec when it made that second step, you could see that great big, it's a, probably about as big as I am. Cause I'm only, I only weigh about a hundred pounds. It was huge. I mean, that big, I could see that big hip, that big butt. You know, but it had hair on it. It wasn't like a like a deer hunter, and no deer hunter is going to be just walking off into that black water like that. And so I went on ahead, and the Kashada Indian Reservation is kind of close there too. So I kind of stopped in and told them about it, and they said that I was really lucky that I even saw one. But they said, remember, if you saw it, it saw you. So I'm going ooh, and uh, but I went back to my motel and took a bath and came back that night so that I could get a picture of those Bragg lights and I couldn't, I saw them, but I just couldn't get my camera. Just, it just wouldn't, I just couldn't catch them. They'd wink out and blink in somewhere else. So I went on ahead. It was still, it wasn't dark yet. It was just about getting there. So I went on ahead, Sam Houston, the other side of the road and, uh, was over there in the parking lot. And I said, well, the sun's down below the trees, but I still went and took a little trek and found this little trail and it didn't go very far. It petered out. But then I looked down and I had, ticks all over me 
So I said, heck, I ain't doing this. So I went back to the truck and changed my clothes, throw them in a plastic bag, threw them back to the truck. And I said, well, it's too far back to the motel. I'm not doing this because I want to come back in the morning. So I just slept in my cab, you know, and the next morning I woke up and I, I slept with my head on my driver's, I mean, my passenger side. And when I woke up and kind of looked around because the sun was coming up, there was this, this, outline on my window on my driver's side window and it was hair but you could tell it was like greasy you know how greasy or when you put sunscreen on you and stuff how if you touch anything it leaves an imprint it was kind of like that but it was a whole face you could tell where the eyes and the nose and the mouth was and I kind it kind of creeped me out and I, I left uh I went and got breakfast and went on ahead and went back on the other side of the road went back to Bragg Road uh, I didn't even go back to the forest because I'm wondering if, yeah, and and then on this is funny too. When I was over on Bragg Road, and I, before I saw that thing during the day at intervals, I'd hear like a like a whoop, you know, or something. And it, but I'd hear it at different times. It wasn't all the time. It was just like every once in a while. But uh, there's something over there, y'all. I don't know what it is, but there's something over there. And yeah, I wouldn't go know, hunting. I, I, I didn't go know that you it. actually saw it across the road yeah i i saw i saw the butt i mean when it moved its leg because it only took two steps to get across that road you could see that big huge muscle ripple and it was kind of dark real dark but it was kind of coppery around the face because i could see it because the sun was coming down but it was shining through the trees and it it, you know how it hits on things and it it hit on on like just the, the the face wasn't looking it was like going where it was going and it it was not it wasn't fast it was just big moving like a big thing yeah and so this was like kind of late in the afternoon it sounds like the sun was up but it's low in the sky or yep yep the sun the trees were almost down the sun was almost down in the trees but they weren't quite there yet so there was still plenty of sunlight i mean it was it was glinting off of everything i mean i had my sunglasses on i took them off Pulled my son's flat visor back from my windshield, and then I saw him, and he crossed the road in two steps. And I speeded up to get up there, but by the time I got there, there was nothing. I mean, he there was nothing there. I mean, just water. And the table, the water table rises after dark in that swamp, too, because I, when I went back, there was water on the road, and there wasn't before, and it didn't rain or nothing. So that's a real creepy place over there. I wouldn't... uh if if you're gonna hide somewhere, that that's where that's where you'd go. Well, it sounds like it's where you don't want to go because you might hide forever, never be Well, found. no, this is what I'm <laughs> saying. If if some if something or you know, uh, and I think it's an intelligent uh, uh, being because I think oh, yeah. it tracks me all day long. And at intervals, it made that whoop sound, and it was telling others where I was. Oh well, the 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 hairless person, the hairless things over here right now, or you know, whatever they do, but. There was some intelligence to it. Uh, now I'm aware of them because I would hear – I'm from Arizona, and uh, my grandmother's off of Rez, off 90 miles north of Phoenix, and they always talked about the Magallan, you know, the reddish, the hairy people. And uh, I kind of poo-pooed a little bit because, I, you know, I just thought it was – because there's a lot of stories, you know, a lot of stories kind of made up stuff and just to keep kids in at night so they wouldn't go out and get hurt in the dark. But, you know, I didn't believe none of that stuff till I saw that over here in East Texas. And I went, wow, uh, there's something to it. So all them people, don't, they need to be aware that when they go out in the middle of nowhere like I do, that, you know, you might not be alone. Now, Anita, uh, which tribe were, were you from, uh, Navajo or Apache? Yeah. No, Apache. Okay. All right. So there's some some history, some lore, and information that gets passed down from generation to generation. Is that right? Yeah. these creatures? Yes. They, a long time ago, they were supposed to have made a pact with them, some kind of whatever it was, that they stayed out of certain areas, and people keep going in them certain areas. So this thing that you saw, was it, if you had to guess about the height, what do you think, if you just had to shoot from the hip, how high do you think it might have been? Maybe, I'd say maybe seven feet. Okay. And was it 
all black or reddish or could you was no it was it was it was dark it was dark and uh it seemed like around up close to the top around the face and and on the very top of the head it looked like it it was a real dark coppery color but it wasn't light it was but you could tell because the sun was hitting it i only seen the outline of the top of the head but it was different you know it had a little coppery color to it right what i noticed most was the way it moved it moved in two steps it was across that road and it swung it's what boy swinging its arms two steps and it was across that road that was what impressed me the most <laughs> what was what were you thinking when you first saw this what went through your mind uh what was that and uh i, I need to hurry up and get up there to see what it was because now i'm curious now i'm gonna go looking you know and seeing if i could see one again I don't know why. I'm just curious. I just want to know what they are. Right, 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 right. No, you're you're in very good company. You know, I'm not wanting to hunt them or anything like that. I don't think, you know, I don't think, I think they're, I don't think I could shoot one because they look too human to me. But, you know, I just want to know what they are. That's pretty much what it is. I can't help it. I'm a curious person. That's why I do this other stuff, go out and look for, debunk these urban legends that people, I think half of them get drunk and they just make this stuff up. Because sometimes I I find out no it's not true <laughs> I have to tell them no you guys made this up and but this is well, not you made gotta up. be kidding you're telling me there's people out there that hoax stuff wow yes there's there's <laughs> people uh, there's people yeah and I don't know if they're doing it to scare other uh like uh, they have you know classes and they have football games and stuff like that and one one team comes over and harasses the other team and I think sometimes some of those little urban legends. They're kind of built around uh, that kind of stuff. They don't want, you know, they're trying to scare the other group, you know, or whatever, strike them up. But yeah. uh, no, this, this uh, Bigfoot, this is real. Uh, that was something I saw. That's something I didn't make up. That's something, I, you know, I wasn't even out there looking for anything like that. I was totally out there uh, checking out that road during the daytime because I didn't want to come back at night and get in trouble because I kept having this dream before I left to go that I was driving off into black water. And it's a good thing, y'all, that I went during the day and hit every little side road that came off of that road. And it's just a one, uh, you know, like a one-lane dirt road. It was a railroad track. But every one of those little roads petered out into the swamp. I mean, it, it was sucking my boots, you know. So it's a good thing well, I went during the day. I agree. You know? I agree entirely. That, that's very smart. Um, I got to say, you're gutsy to spend the night alone <laughs> out there in your truck um and that's interesting this the face print was on your driver's on side, the driver's window. side. okay and it's kind and of I was with, yeah and i was laying with my head on the on the the, the passenger seat i've done it uh, many times i i used to take trips to arizona and back you know on vacations the job i have now doesn't afford me to do that so you know but I, there'd be a lot of times when I'd get tired and I'd just pull over in a, in a you know, a truck stop and, and sleep in my truck. I mean, it's not a big deal with me. It was, too, it was easier to sleep in the truck than it was to uh, drive back to my hotel. It was farther, okay. so it was easier for me. Well, yeah, but when no, I woke I, up, because I, I, I planned on, I planned on uh, finding another trail because that trail I took, it petered out. It looked like somebody had kind of like hacked a little bit of a trail there. And uh, it didn't go very far, and all them ticks. So I thought, I'll just sleep here and spray myself down real good the next morning, and I'll find another trail, because this is Sam Houston Forest. I mean, you know, it's famous. So, And I'm an outdoors person. But uh, when I woke up and saw that thing on my mirror, I said, oh, no. I mean, on my window, I said, oh, no. Uh, uh, I'm going to go back over there and, and check out um, Ch- Bragg Road or Martha's Chapel Cemetery or somewhere else, you know. But I, I didn't go back over there. I wouldn't go back over there by myself. No way. Well, can I? Um, I'm curious. You said it's kind of greasy. Can I run something by you? I it only happened once. I only had one time when I came back to my truck and there's a huge greasy handprint on the side of my truck, and I ran my truck through the car wash, uh, and I think it took two, maybe three washes for that greasy handprint to fully go away. So. I'm curious, did you ever run your truck through the car wash or how did you get that off of there and did it, did when it was it persistent? 
Windex? Oh, yeah, I had to spray it up real good and wipe it with my hands. I mean, wipe, wipe the Windex on the window with my hand. And then I took a T-shirt, because that's what I had, and wiped it off. But it was like, okay. it was greasy, but, it, you know, it was kind of like, um, have you ever had a dog lick the window? Oh, yeah, sure. That, it was kind of like that. You know how hard it is to get that off? A cat right. just jumped on it. It's kind of like that. You know, it took a couple of times to get it off. But, yeah, it, it had a, a like a sticky substance to it. Or, I don't know, sticky, greasy. It wasn't like sticky, right. tacky, sticky. But it uh, it was there. I mean, you know, it was there. I Unwashed. And that's all I can think of is unwashed hair. Well, you know. You said you can make out some features like some like hair strands or something and eye sockets and no it was the the, the uh the hair was just totally missing it was it looked like little cutouts like little holes for the eyes and and it looked like a pre like a pressed in nose like a flat nose and yeah. like a o for the mouth it, i didn't wow. see lips it just it just looked like somebody's going you know like that on the window to make it steam up you know Sure, sure. Wow. <laughs> but no, I couldn't tell. I couldn't t uh, take a look at it and, and then point the guy out. I mean, <laughs> it yeah. was just like a, it was just like an outline, like a character, like you know. Um, well, I, I just what, wonder what you would have thought if you woke up at the moment when it was looking in at you. I probably would have peed on myself. <laughs> I probably would have yelled and peed on myself at the same time. I'm serious. I'm, I'm sorry that come out with before I thought about it, but. Uh, no, I, I, I probably, I don't know. I probably would have played like I was asleep. Yeah. If you, right. Uh, you know, that's, that, that's the easy way out. And I probably would have took the easy way out. I probably would just lay there and, and pray God, uh, let that, uh, go away. But I'm wondering because I was, that's not too far from where I was. I'm wondering if they hooped and, uh, I was somehow followed over there. Not by the same one, but by others. I think that's probably not i think that's probably pretty close to what could happen because they take an interest in you um, yeah because they watched me all day i mean i had this feeling all day i was being watched and i thought it was that cat or, or them cats because i, I found a couple of deer feeders and I, I saw big tracks so they're just feeding the the cats but that's okay uh but when i saw that thing whatever it was uh then i knew all day long that uh, they were they were one step ahead of me all day long, and right at the end of the day, they got so curious that one of them had to cross the road in front of me. He, I, I, it's like he, I don't know. It's like I saw him for a reason. Oh yeah, yeah I, I, I think you're exactly right. It it didn't cross the road. It didn't care. It, it wasn't in a hurry. It wasn't in a real great hurry. It's it wasn't really. It was. Uh, it, it walked like a big thing, but the, what impressed me was it crossed that road in two steps. I went, oh, my God, what was that? And right. I'm still to this day. I want I want to see one. Of, I want to see one of them again. For, and for some reason, uh, I don't know. Grandma said, if you ever see them, they drawn to you. So, you know, uh, not ever expecting to ever see one, but I'm always by myself. So, you know, maybe that was one thing that, that drew their curiosity, because normally People don't go out by themselves like that, you know. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, maybe they were curious about me as I was about them, but I didn't even know they existed. Not really. I didn't believe all them stories, guy. I, you know, I didn't not till now. So when now did this I'm. Happen? I'm uh, I think it was last year. No, uh, year before last. It was year before last, and it was in, uh, I think June. Yeah, okay. it was in June because it was wow. still the ticks. The ticks were out, and uh, it wasn't that cold. Yeah. So let me ask you this, because you really you got me curious now. Um, what you said, your grandmother, and was there just kind of a general lore with the Apache that these things exist? And you know what? What more did they say about them? They just said that they were dangerous and that they that they were hairy people and that they would would cart off animals and kids. That was a long, long time ago, though, you know. But they said that they made some kind of a pact with them that they stayed out of the Magallan Rim area. You know, they, there's areas that they just didn't go off into because, you know, 
if they they quit, you know, pilfering, so they quit going off into areas. I don't know how they did it, but they did, and that's that's all I know about that. Cause I was little. Grandma died when I was seven, and then then they uh, transported me to Arkansas. But uh, and then that was the Falk monster. That was about forty something miles from where I lived. Oh my God! You know what? I bet you that was a Bigfoot too. Oh well, yeah, sure, sure. That's uh, that's. You know, they said it was a wild. They they called it a wild man, and for a long time, I thought that was a deterrent to keep kids in at night and not let you know letting them roam around at night and getting in trouble and getting hurt and stuff. You know, uh, I never saw anything, but till now, till I saw that thing, and then I thought, you know what? Maybe some there's truth. Some of these uh, urban legends, or some of these, you know, old wives' tales. Well, and I'm curious um, that, you know, the Apache part of the lore is that these things are dangerous because we absolutely agree with that. Did they give any specifics besides just carrying off kids and animals? Uh, yeah, they, say, they, hey, were, they were vicious. I mean, they tore their stuff up. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like they sneaked in there and, and, and took them. I mean, they you know, they were they were like animals. Well, you know, and. They just got to where they got. I guess they couldn't take it no more, and made some kind of a deal with them. I don't know what what it was, but you know. Yeah, I'm curious that, about that. Did they ever say that they would uh, kill and eat people? Yes, that's what I heard. That's what kept us in at night. I didn't believe it, but I stayed in at night because I didn't want I didn't want the hairy man to get me. Right. And the same thing in Arkansas. I didn't want to go out at night because I didn't want the Falk monster to get me, the the wild man. I think they're one and the same. I really do. Well, now that I, you know, now that I think. You're think in total agreement it, with us. And look back on it, you know. But I've always, I've always, I'm a loner. I always do things by myself. After my husband died, that was, I, I became a loner because that's just, I don't know. That's sometimes that's the way your life put you and then i work nights too so there's not much time for you know meeting and and getting around with people because you sleep all day and you work all night so you know on my days off i would go and i would find things to research and then i would go out and do it (laughs) you know it had to be within uh, within you know a, a time frame because i'd have you know i have two days off and i'd have to do it in that time frame so that's what East Texas, that's it was close. I could get to it, you know. But I'm gonna go back too, you know. But right. I'm gonna go with somebody. I'm not gonna go by myself. Oh no. Well, you know, I think you could probably talk Forrest into going with you, right, Forrest? I know she just poked me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but and I'm telling you, dude, that's an ominous place at night. I'm telling you, that darkness, that darkness, you wear it like a cloak, and. The noise is deafening. You can barely hear yourself on a cell phone. I called Granite Shoals from there, and they could barely hear me talking. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of the conversation, everything got dead quiet, dude. I mean, dead. And they even asked me on the other end of the line. They said, Nita, what's going on over there? Uh, everything just died. I said, I don't know. I rolled my window up, and I'm sitting there in the dark on Bragg Road thinking there's something walking around out there because everything shut up. I mean, even the bugs. It was scary, and it was like for about 10 minutes, and then everything started, you know, started chirping, and and the bullfrogs started boom, boom, whatever they do, you know, but it was really weird for a little while there. I sat in the dark and and just listened and didn't hear anything You know, you're hitting all cylinders, because, Will, we've run into that. You have to? been up here. Yeah. Yeah, I call it silence. Yeah, the creepy silence. Yeah, that's what it was. And it felt like the vehicle was moving after it stopped, too. That's a really weird uh, track over there, that little road. Uh, I've never seen a road like that. It's kind of like a tunnel in a way. It's really weird. You'd have to you'd have to go down it one of these days. If you all ever have time, you're over in that area. Well, we plan on it sometime. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, you know, my understanding is, and Forrest, correct me if I'm wrong, you don't necessarily have to go to the uh, Sam Houston Forest. You can just stay at Forest Place at nighttime. Uh, and there's oh no, I've been, I've been, I've been out there, out, out back at her place. And that I see that there's a stomping circle. I don't know what they were doing out there, but I mean it's, it's a, uh, it's almost like a, it's almost like a, a pit bull fighting pen. They've got it so beat down. 
right? And Tom, they... Tom, I'm going to interrupt here just a second because we were, uh, she, Sherry, me, Sam, and even uh, Sam's friend Wyatt was out here this afternoon, and we had pulled up out here, and we saw two tracks. And yep. <laughs> I'm like pointing. I said, look at this, look at this. And it was just time enough for Anita and Sherry. They looked down, and what would you say that was about of a size of a, a footprint for a, like an eight- or nine-year-old child? Yeah. 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 And, and toes. And toes. And, um, and we're both looking at it. And, of course, Lagatha's running around out here with her uh, big, huge stick that she had. And what does she do? She steps right in right it. In and uh, Sam was leaning over it right at the same time. She was just getting ready to take a picture of it. And Lagatha, and Lagatha stepped right in the middle of it and just completely destroyed the brand of course. with, the, with right. her and the stick. And I was, we were all, like, going, Lagatha. <laughs> yeah, they they, they run deer. But I'm, right. I, we we were the because I had seen some prints out here in the yard. There were uh, and I, I uh, Anita showed up with a friend of hers. Uh, he was going to see about trying to help me with some fencing around here. And uh, I was I said, do you think these are hog prints or deer prints? And he said that's a deer, but it was running when it came through. And he said that was a big one. And then we saw some little tracks. So the deer were run through my backyard last night. Huh. I wonder what they'd be running from. I wonder what too. Yeah. <laughs> Probably the same thing that made those uh, footprints. But uh, well, that's yeah, interesting I think that you that... found those little baby juvenile prints, and you don't think yeah. that's a person out there. You of all people would know uh, the difference between a human footprint. Well, you you actually could tell. I, I'm telling you, right? The the print was on such. We had a rain a rain good rain here. What two days ago? Yeah. Yeah. And um, it was muddy enough that the print was heavy enough. You could actually see the mid torso break in it, literally. And uh, it wasn't a human footprint. No. Uh, I mean, even Sherry recognized that. And she's, she's kind of learned what to look for now. And so has Anita. So, so yeah, yeah, she's got a, she's got some kind of a footprint too. That, yeah. The dog take a look at it. So, I'm not sure what it is, but you can see you can see skin on one piece of it. But uh, well, do you guys have pictures or? Uh, we'll have to take a picture yeah, of it and show it to you. It. Yeah, we'll yeah. Ship it to you. And so. Forrest, if you got time, if you wouldn't mind, uh, kind of update us. Tell us a little bit about the situation. I think it was last night with the uh, cat house. Where you oh, keep your cats. that that was Saturday night. Um, yeah. Um, I, it was weird. Um, I had one cat that to always beats feet to go into the, the cat house. Uh, I have two cat houses, as you know, one that is down by the old house and then one is directly, uh, behind my, um, uh, mobile home here. And, um, the, I had put the cats up uh, and it was about eight, eight thirty. I got them all in. And there was one cat, Ashley, that always beats feet to get in there she likes her soft cat food and uh i couldn't find her i kept calling her and calling and calling her couldn't find her and so anyway i finally i locked them all up and i thought well maybe she'll show up a little later so anyway uh, i went in and i watched tv for a little while and i actually came out of the house two or three times and called for her and um i don't remember i think it was about 11-ish and I had come back in and sat down and I was watching TV. And all of a sudden, it just, I don't know, the, it just like a thought occurred to me. I thought, I wonder if she got locked in the 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 shed out here when uh, they were getting stuff in and out of it when they were feeding the horses. I thought, I'm going to go check. Uh, maybe that's where she is. So I get the flashlight. I go around the end of the, the trailer. And lo and behold, there she is, plastered up against the screen, meowing at me. So I opened uh, up the shed, got her out, and I'm, I said, well, I'm not going over there since I've already got the cat house locked up. I'm going to uh, – now, mind you, I'm talking about the cat house directly behind them, the, mo the mobile home here. And I I'm going to take you in the house. You'll just have to spend the night in the house. So as I get to the porch, and I had just shoved her through the door – and I turned around to ch double check the, the cat food there because uh, my two raccoons, Ricky and Sweetie, come up and eat. And I wanted to make sure there was enough in, out there in the pan for, for them to have supper, too. 
And there was. And almost about that time as I get ready to turn to go in the door, I hear this whoop like that. And I'm like, what? And the cat, the, the response from the animals was what was so extraordinary. The cats absolutely exploded off the porch. There was three of them sitting up there on the porch with me. They exploded off that porch immediately under the house. And my dog, Cagney, was, had been in his little fenced area of his uh, uh, kennels there, and he immediately went back into the, the doghouse in the back of that uh, uh, kennel and that building and never uttered a peep, not a bark, nothing. And I was like, okay. And I mean, it was just like I told you guys before, it was like, you know, the hairs up on my arms, my, you know, I'm like, I'm not liking this. I'm going in the house. So I went in the house and I guess it was probably a half an hour later. Um, I'm not sure on the time and it's really kind of immaterial, but I had walked over. I, I, I'm a coffee fanatic and I actually keep a Keurig in my bedroom with me. That's how much I like my coffee. And I had walked over to put my cup underneath the Keurig and I looked out the bedroom window and I I always keep a light on in the back of the cat house down by the old house. And so there's the ambient light coming out on both sides of that building. Um, and then it has two, uh, two of the sections in it, then coming forward in there, that's the play area and it's all screened in. And then there's another, about a 16 foot enclosed area that has beds and, uh, all such for them. Uh, now these are all feral cats, so they don't get to roam around all over the neighborhood. So, um, and so they go in there and then I, it has, it's set up so I can plug in a heater during the winter time and keep them warm. And, uh, then there's a, a section in the front where the front door is, you come in and I have a pallet that sits in there and I stack all my cat food. Cause I usually buy 20, 30 bags of cat food at a time for them. So I look out and I notice that I'm seeing light <laughs> coming out the front of the cat house. And I'm like, okay, now this is not right. Now, I think I reminded you guys that I had, Jessica had just put in a new deadbolt and a new lock because we'd had problems with that door being pushed open before. Right. And uh, we actually installed a deadbolt thinking that, that, that the door before didn't have a deadbolt and we put a deadbolt on it this time thinking that that would solve the problem. Well, I'm looking at the door and it's partially open because I could see the light, beam of light coming out onto the ground from, from my window in the bedroom. And I'm like going, okay, that's, that's not normal. <laughs> How did that get open? And of course, my first thought was, okay, I'm going to text Jessica. I knew she was at work, so I knew she was awake uh, and see if maybe she might have left the door open possibly or left it unlocked. And, and she texted me back and said, no, I just checked it today. Um, you know, I fed in there on Friday. So, um, but I checked it today and it was secured and locked. But, okay. Well, it's not now. <laughs> so, and I, um, my daughter actually called me a few minutes later and we were on the phone and I said, do you think I ought to wander down there and look? Mm -hmm. And she's like, no. I do not think you need to wander down there and look, <laughs> Mom. And so I didn't. Well, it was a couple of hours later, and I, I actually walked again to that window. And I, I guess it was one of those moments that was like I told you guys before that I was almost half expecting a big, black, hairy silhouette to pop up in my window there. And um, I looked out there to check the cat house again. Now the door was wide open. You could see, I mean, the light was just completely flooding out in the front of the building. And so I'm like, okay, <laughs> this is not looking good. And um, so the next morning, Sunday morning, I went down there at eight o'clock and I checked it. And um, of course, I will honestly tell you, I looked around in the front of it. Of course, the front of that building, it's all 
there's all grass on the ground. So there weren't any prints or anything like that in front. I didn't even see anything in the, the door. Of course, it's all cement there. Um, but the door had been pushed in. The, the deadbolt was in the locked bolt position. The bolt was sticking out. The, the doorknob lock was in locked position. It was sticking out. And the, the, you know, the catch plates on the, the door frame, the, the one with the deadbolt was completely off. And the one, one below that for the doorknob was just hanging there. So it didn't just jimmy it. It forced the door open. Is that the is door that was saying? completely forced open and the door frame is actually was damaged uh, uh, on the, the top where the door, the deadbolt had uh, pushed the scrape through the wood. Yeah. Wow. So it had actually pushed it. And, you know, uh, you remember before we were having problems with, because I store cat food in there and, and they, I, I was finding bags of, uh, empty bags of cat food out in the, the, the pasture. And of course we were finding empty bags of uh, horse feed out there too. And we solved that problem by, you know, uh, chaining up the door to the, uh, <laughs> the barn. And we thought we'd solve the problem to this, but I guess they figured out that just brute force could push the door open, but I did not have any cat food in there. And of course my first thought was, because uh, we were going to go get cat food this week, I didn't. I didn't need any more. All the feeders and stuff were filled up, but uh, I went and actually purchased cat food today. And um, I thought, well, if they couldn't find the cat food, of course I was scared. Maybe they might have gone on in after the cats. But you know what? All the cats were fine, and they, they were all back in the the play area. They weren't any of them in that uh, second uh, area. And so usually, kind of freaked out or. Well, no, at that point in time, they didn't seem, I mean, of course, now this was eight o'clock in the next morning. They didn't seem freaked out then, but, uh, you know, uh, they, they were all just back there in the back of the, that play area. But, uh, you know, they, uh, when it, it, our weather has kind of changed here in the last uh, week or so, we've been getting chilly nights in the 50s, 60s. Now, last night it was down in the low 40s, and it's supposed to be down in the low 40s again tonight. And, of course, we're in the hill country here, so and it's, it could even drop down in the 30s here. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but, uh, so usually when the weather gets kind of like that, they start go- migrating into the enclosed part to, to stay warm. But no, they were all back in the back. So, I, you know, I don't know what transpired in there. I can't even imagine. I didn't see any tracks or anything else. And, and there wasn't any cat food in there to be gotten. So uh, I guess uh, they, uh, wh- whoever, whatever was in there looked and there wasn't anything that they were looking for and they left. So, but I mean, I can't imagine why a human would have even shown any interest in that building seriously because i mean you could look in the play area and just see cats in there and it wouldn't would stand to reason that there would be i wouldn't be storing anything that would be of any value in there to a human anyway right so they and, just and, pushed the door open and, and you have some pretty good hinges on that thing right the door frame oh yeah well i mean it's just it's the the door is actually a steel door and uh so i mean it's just standard door hinges i mean the door was still on the hinges but the you know it when it pushed against the the wood frame of course is wood so you know when that uh uh door went pushed in then uh you know the the door where the locking mechanism on the the deadbolt and then the locking mechanism on the 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 bottom doorknob was stuck out it it of course uh uh the deadbolt did more damage to the wood than the other one did but um the the deadbolt you can see where it just scraped along the the frame of the wood there and pushed the wood out yeah so rip your car door off (laughs) so i mean i just i was like come on guys i still want to go back over there though I want to see if I can see that thing again. I'm not kidding. It's worth it. So. Well, yeah, that's. uh, And here's the thing. You take all of this in its totality, and it really does say something. Because this has been going on for an awful long time. I mean, you got 
you know, you've had them come in your house and whack you on the head with a can of beans. They've tried to steal the air conditioner or rattle it. Probably weren't trying to steal it. I'm, I'm probably just trying to get in the house. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, that air conditioner thing. Well, and, you know, it's like I told y'all, you know, it usually ramps up around, uh, you know, I've been kind of paying attention around here. It ramps up in the fall. You know, I think I've told you that before, that it seems like it starts in October uh, and then it'll go on through till about January, February sometimes. And and then it seems to dissipate in the, the summer. Now, uh, the, I Maybe because I've been in here with uh, the, and I'm in down with the surgery, and I, that means that I've been home uh, all the time. That I have noted, they've probably been roaming around here doing uh, mischief all this time, and I just hadn't noticed it because, see, I was working nights, and uh, I was not necessarily uh, aware of everything that they were doing. Well, and, the other thing that's uh, interesting is traditionally, typically the uh, most activity with these creatures is seen late summer in the autumn and also, you know, in the springtime. But mainly it's, uh, you know, here in Oregon, when people vanish and all that kind of stuff uh, up in the Cascades, I should say, um, it's always uh, late summer, uh, autumn, as well as the sightings, of course. Forrest, what's your take on what Anita saw? And in, in particular, she mentioned something that made me think of something you commented on too, and that was the big backside of the creature. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I had to laugh because I was sitting here kind of giggling at the same time because, um, yeah. <laughs> well, see, when I was telling my story, she's never she I don't she's never heard my story on on air. She'd never listened to it, so I thought it was kind of funny that she was remarking about the. The same thing. Maybe it's just a, a woman thing. Um, no, I'm <laughs> I, well, that, see that when I was telling yeah. them that that was the one thing I noticed when he was walking off with his was his big butt, yeah. and uh, yeah. I, I said that was funny, and and my kids kind of actually made a little fun of me again about talking about the Bigfoot's big uh, behind, and uh, <laughs> it's like uh, you know. It's not like I have a thing for uh, looking at that. But anyway, I said that was just the one thing that I noticed, that he just had this big, muscular butt, buttocks. And you didn't see that if it was a hunter? No, 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 no. One of those ghillie, ghillie suits is yeah. what she was he, trying to think yeah, of. And, and yeah. You can see it. You you know how those things are. You wouldn't be able to even wow. really see a form underneath well, those. It looks different. It only looks like Casper the Ghost. Yeah. You no, know, this was a body. You could see it. And I was like, wow. Yeah, the the big buttocks is, well, you know, the fact that we have a butt, primates don't have butts. Um, the fact that we do have a butt um, is the fact that uh, uh, we have to have that to support us uh, in our upright position. And I think that's the reason Bigfoot has a big, has big buttocks is because they have, he walks upright. He walks upright. Yeah. Forrest, that brings up an interesting question then. Chimps, gorillas, apes, they don't have glutes, but these things do. So does that kind of indicate that this is something different than just a mere ape in a category all its own? Well, I think I think you're correct, and it's it's like I've said a long time ago. Uh, Bigfoot's an enigma. Bigfoot is a it seems to be a collaboration of uh, um, ape-like qualities and human-like qualities. It's just a, a combination of the above. It's almost like something was developing alongside humans that didn't quite ever get to the point of being human. I mean, that's the way I think of Bigfoot. And I know there's some people out there that are going to uh, disagree, but, uh, and, and, and everybody's entitled to their opinion. Uh, but I think that it's like Bigfoot that just developed into a different um, type of creature, almost like a man, but not quite like a man. And I think he's still stuck in that kind of ape-like um 
category. But it, di it didn't seem to inherit any uh, humane qualities. <laughs> there, there, well, there you know, what do you, what, what do you want to uh, refer to as humane? Because, you know, there's a lot of things that humans do that, uh, you know, I, I, you know, you got well, me. True, true. I, I, I don't want to. <laughs> I know. As, I know what generally you're speaking. You generally speaking, yes. Usually, humans don't go around, uh, uh, you know, cannibalizing people. And, right. and of course, I can't. I, I shouldn't be jumping to conclusions that they do that. But I, I, I there's been way too many uh, disappearances that uh, and situations, and I think we all might agree on that. That uh, are questionable that Bigfoot may have a hand in. So. Uh, chimpanzees have a, a, a notorious reputation for uh, attacking humans and cannibalizing humans. Mm -hmm. And um, um, so uh, I, it would not surprise me that Bigfoot does the same thing. And uh, so, I mean, chimpanzees are not my favorite uh, primate, so probably my least favorite primate. And <laughs> well, I think Bigfoot's back. falling into that really category, too. Uh-huh. I, I say, don't hold back. How do you really feel about chimps, though? Yeah, I won't hold back on that one. <laughs> you know, my grandma said they've always been around. Did you hear? Because uh, I asked no, her question. I, when, she was when my grandma was telling us about the McGollin Harry men, uh, she said, I asked her, I said, well, where'd they come from? She said, baby, they've always been here. They've always been around. Yeah, that's what we've heard. What's the so word? It's not like they crop. It's not like they cropped up one day out of nowhere or, or out of somebody's. You know, they've right? always been there. Yeah, that's exactly just, correct. We have way, We have a lot of people now, and everybody's just they're hitting the outdoors. I mean, they're they're going in places where they've never been before, and where rescue is just hard to come by because so many people are are wanting to get away from it all. And they're not prepared, and they go out in the middle of these places, and then they come up missing, and because they're going in areas that are inhabited by something, and they're not aware of it. And I don't know if they take it as an, aggress as an aggressive. Apparently, they didn't take me as aggressive because they, they passed in front of me. One of them passed in front of me. So to me, to me, in my mind, that tells me that they didn't pay me no mind. I was just like a skeeter. You know? Well, a couple questions. Um Number one, are you saying that uh, in the Apache lore, or at least your understanding of it, that they were here before the Indians came here? No, no, she didn't say that. She, uh, I don't know if I understood it that way. No, she said they've always been here. She didn't say they were here before us. She said they've always been here. And I don't know. That's as what it is, I guess. Right. I guess they, they've always been aware of them. They've always been here. You know, it's not well, like they showed up. So yeah, no, no, no. Now I'm curious. Now I'm going to have to do some research on my own about that one. Uh, good question. What was that's, the that's word? That's the chicken before the egg. Did the chicken, chicken or the egg? That, exactly. That's one of the kind of questions. But um, exactly. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but it's, it's, okay. it's, it's a question that, that can be answered, maybe. And what was the word, the Apache word for? I don't know about that. I just she just called it the Magallan, the Magallan. Magallan. Okay. Yeah, that's what she calls the Magallan, the the red the red Magallan hairy hairy man. <laughs> but she was really old too. Yeah. She was like ninety six when she passed away. So she was she was in her eighties when she was telling me all this, you know. But I listened. Well, it's interesting. That you know, she had she had knowledge of these things, and um, later on in life, you you saw one, you got confirmation. Well, when I first saw it, though, I really wasn't sure what it was. I'm serious, I really wasn't sure till I just sat there. I sat there on that road for for a few minutes and just sat there and just kept analyzing what I saw and analyzing what I saw and, and finally said, you know what you saw? You saw one of those hairy men. And when I went to the res and told them about it, they said, yeah, I was lucky that I saw one, but that it saw you too. Remember that, you know, if you saw it, it saw you. So uh, 
I don't know if that was a warning or what, but that tribe has been there on that land forever. I mean, that, they were one tribe that was never moved, that that was allowed to stay in their place, you know, in their, you know, on their reservations. That's a right. Kashada. Yeah. It's a Kashada. Yeah, nice people. people. Oh, my gosh, nice people. Beautiful place. But uh, they even know about the hairy man. In fact, that's they told me about it. I wasn't really sure. Because back then, I didn't know forests, so I had no idea, you know. Well, you know, talking about um, the behavior of these things and that they, you know, they take people. Um, do you know any families that have had members that have vanished? Uh, I don't know anybody that has vanished, but uh, I do know that people vanish because I, I, uh, I'm interested in this stuff now. And so I'm starting to, uh, hit iPods. I'm starting to Google things. And, uh, I'm curious, are they alone? Are they out by themselves when they disappear or are they with others and kind of wander off? Actually, this is the exact same question that I have because we have a huge number of vanishings here in Oregon, you know, like I said, in, in areas where the Bigfoot are, and I've yeah. always, it's almost exclusively mushroom hunters, and they're very secretive people about their location. So it's typically people that are alone, but a few of them have been, they're not mushroom hunters. They just, you know, they, one was a kid that they found his car and that was it. He was, he was just gone. <clears throat> so maybe, so maybe. I had a close call and didn't know it because I was alone and I actually saw one. So I well, don't know. Well, I was going to say, that. if I was you, I wouldn't be going out there alone anymore. Well, no, I, I'm going. I'm going back uh, to uh, that area, but I'm not going by myself. I'd never go by myself again. That's that. When I saw that thing, I realized then that. Uh, wherever you are if if you think you're in the middle of nowhere and there's no one around there is you're never alone there's something out there you always have to remember that and i think they're i think they're all over the place but oregon uh my research has lead me to believe that oregon uh has has a, a a great number of them and it's a perfect area for them too i mean there's places in oregon i bet you no one's ever been to oh yeah they, that behind one of those deer feeders, I I I got tears. I heard uh, twigs snapping, and I went tried to crawl back in there, and I couldn't get through because I didn't have a machete and a handsaw. I mean, it's so thick. Well, I was going to say something, Tom, there because uh, I, I did uh, I worked uh, uh, as an archaeologist out there on a, a lignite mine um, site that we had to um, survey. And uh, <clears throat> if you remember, recall, I told you about the time that I got lost in the forest because the day before we'd had somebody steal our compasses, uh, we stole, stole our coats and everything and uh, compasses. So uh, we were out there all uh, kind of wandered around lost, but leave it to me, the crew chief, to get lost. And um, that that area in East Texas, uh, it's, yeah. it's uh, got low, co I mean, there's briars everywhere. And we had to carry machetes with us, too, because there were times that we had to literally chop our way uh, through doing our transits. And uh, it's 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 just thick, 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 thick in there. And, I mean, you could have something hiding 10 feet in yeah. that stuff. And you would, well, yeah, in some instances, five and six feet, and you wouldn't be able to see a thing. Uh -uh. See you. Yeah, that's I don't remember. Terrible. I, I think... Maybe I remember you telling me that story, but somebody actually had the audacity to go in and steal your equipment. What, what at nighttime or when nobody was around? Or no, we had we had come in in two different blazers that day and parked our blazers. Uh, we usually just parked on the edge of the uh, pulled off the side of the road in the culverts there and parked our vehicles. And that particular day, it had we come out and we had jackets on, and uh, it was cool in the morning. And then um, when we went in for lunch, we just all went in in one uh, uh, blazer and then left uh, our coats and stuff in um, the the other one. And uh, 
I don't remember the driver forgot to lock up the vehicle. I would have locked up the vehicle, but luckily we had all of our uh, transits and everything. Uh, and uh, our survey equipment was inside the, the other vehicle that was uh, went with us to the, um, uh, when we, where we went to have lunch. And uh, so a couple of us had kept their, uh, dropped their compasses in their pockets. I had left mine in the pocket of my jacket and somebody while we were gone, literally uh, just opened, all they had to do is just open the car doors and, and uh, grabbed our jackets. And uh, there was some other stuff they took too, but they took the, you know, the jackets and stuff. So the next day when we got out there, um, we not only, some of us were pretty chilly, but uh, um because we had to go later and buy new jackets and everything. But uh, some of us didn't have our compass with us, and we got turned around in the big, dark, deep woods. Because I want to tell you, those it's it's a lot like the Oregon woods out there because it's piney woods. And hard, it's got hardwoods out there, too, but it's piney woods, and it's dark. It's just they're, the trees are real tall, and it's just dark in there. And so when you're walking, you don't have a lot of good – there's not a lot of good visual acuity out there. And um, I just got completely turned around and that was, that's kind of unusual for me. So I usually have a pretty good sense of direction, but um, you know, they all came back and were looking for me and finally, you know, yelling and uh, you know, between us, I finally, I just sat down. I thought, okay, you know, I'm just going to sit here because if I keep wandering, I could get farther afield. So I sat down and I waited and I just kept yelling and then uh, eventually somebody found me. But uh, yeah, I I felt kind of ridiculous. And and yeah, it was pretty pretty low that somebody went in there and stole all of our jackets. I mean, there oh, was there was uh, there was five of us and on my crew, and uh, we we all lost our jackets because by the time midnight midday rolled around, we didn't need them. So you know, we went back there and threw them in the car. And I, I guess we just nobody thought of anything about somebody stealing them. You know, it's an interesting uh, glimpse into your world, though. I didn't realize that you guys actually did surveys and and land navigation. And is that just to what's the purpose of that? You're going to a place that you don't exactly know where it is or. Well, no, uh, you know, OK, we had uh, uh, I work for a company that then contracted us out to things like this particular uh uh, was Conoco, uh, a Conoco lignite mine in East Texas. It's still there and operational. Um, we did all the survey work for Lake Ray Roberts, which is up a lake that they have put in north of Dallas now. Um, and you have to go in and do a visual survey. And uh, we literally survey the, the country and then we do, we walk transits and, uh, you know, usually 30, 40, depending on the locations and uh, the, the property, uh, we usually walk 30 to 40 yards apart and then walk in, a, a, you know, one direction and then come back and walk crisscross. And we're looking for sites. We're looking for anything uh, that we see visually on the ground. And then uh, if we do it, then we map it all out, get the, uh, you know, uh, all the longitude and latitude and all that sort of stuff. And we, uh, you know, mark it out. And then we come back, if we deem it, uh, something that we need to go back and mitigate, then we will do a second or third level mitigation on the property. And, uh, you know, so that's how we handle it. And of course the Conoco and Lake Ray Roberts, they don't want, they, the, the army Corps of engineers did Lake Ray Roberts, but you know, they're always hoping we don't find a whole lot of anything. So, cause that just slows up their, you know, doing what they have to do. So, uh, but we're out there trying to find, we have to, um, you know, record historical spots, which even, you know, that's, that includes historical homes. And there were a lot of people's homes that literally had to be moved and cemeteries have to be moved. Uh, they can't go in and, uh, you know, do put in a lignite mine and then uh, take out somebody's cemetery where they've got their loved ones buried. So all of that, there were a couple of cemeteries that they actually had to go in there and uh, they had to be moved. So wow. we have to record all that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, and you involve the state archaeologists and all that. Well, listen, um, both of you, thank you so much. Uh, Anita, I'm glad we finally got a chance to hear your encounter. It's actually far more interesting uh, 
than I'd anticipated. So this was very good. And uh, as always, Forrest, we love having you on the show and, and you get some really good insights. So um, thank both of you. And Anita, you're going to have to stay in touch with us if you get some updates. Oh, I will because me and Forrest are going to go back. <laughs> I, I'm not going by myself, but uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll be okay. Well, Anita and Forrest, both of you, thank you so much, and uh, we really appreciate it. Oh, thank you all so very much for listening to me. I enjoyed myself so much. I'm glad somebody really understands this. In Bigfoot History, Northern California, Bluff Creek Road, August 27, 1958. Jerry Crew gave this as the first date on which Bigfoot prints showed up on the new road under construction, about 20 miles north of the Klamath River, in the valley of Bluff Creek in 1958. There is no record of when or how often the tracks were seen, but the men on the job had the impression that whatever was making them was coming by in a regular route, from northwest to southwest, about one night a week. Sometimes, but not always, it would walk close by the road building machinery. Bluff Creek flows south out of Del Norte County into the Klamath about four miles above its junction with the Trinity. It is in a country of rounded heavily timbered ridges with a few mountains reaching 5,000 feet. Spokane Indians, 1975. Indians had a Sasquatch, too. Those who think the stories about a huge, hairy mystery giant called a Sasquatch are of a recent origin should talk with the Wenatchee Valley College historian, John Brown. Brown has found evidence that the search for such a legendary creature was underway in the Northwest by the time the earliest white men arrived in the region while researching material for a book he co-authored with Dr. Robert Ruby, the Spokane Indians Children of the Sun, he came across a passage that must relate to what is now called a Sasquatch. The reference was in a letter written by the Reverend Alcana Walker from Fort Colville in 1840. With his wife, Mary, Alcana Walker was a missionary to the Spokanes. In a letter to the American Board of Commissioners for Foreign Missions, he wrote... I suppose you will beat with me if I trouble you with a little of their, the Spokane Indians, superstition, which has recently come to my knowledge. They believe in the existence of a race of giants, which inhabit a certain mountain off to the west of us. This mountain is covered with perpetual snow. They inhabit its top. They may be classed with Goldsmith's nocturnal class, as they cannot see in the daytime. They hunt and do all their work in the night. They are men-stealers. They come to the people's lodges in the night, when the people are asleep, and put them under their skins, and take them to their place of abode, without their even waking. When they awake in the morning, they are wholly lost, not knowing in what direction their home is. The account the Indians give of these giants will in some measure correspond with the Bible account of such a race of beings. They say their track is about a foot and a half long. They will carry two or three beams upon their back at once. They frequently come in the night, steal their salmon from the nets, and eat them raw. If the people are away, they always know when they are coming very near by their strong smell, which is most intolerable. It is not uncommon for them to come in the night and give three whistles. Then the stones will begin to hit the houses, the people are troubled with their nocturnal visits. Brown says he has known about many Spokane Indian legends about monsters, but they have been of the Paul Bunyan type that carves out valleys, etc. The ogre referred to in the letter is not really a monster, just a little bigger than man, and he had no idea what mountain to the west is referred to, the one that always is snow-topped. Perhaps it was Mount Rainier. The Spokanes also believed in a race of little people, Brown says. Even if the stories about the little people and the giants aren't true, 
the Indians believed they were, he says. Many people today believe just as fervently in the existence of a hairy, man-like object that sometimes is glimpsed, but never really seen. Plaster casts of prints supposedly from the feet of such a creature have been exhibited. One Sasquatch hunter has what he believes to be a picture of the man-animal. This area's involvement with the legend goes back some 25 or 30 years to the wild man of Lichenwaster, supposedly seen on that mountain by fishermen. Myth or fact, no one knows. But at any rate, John Brown's research indicates that reports of such a Bigfoot are nothing new. September 22, 1975. Wenatchee, Washington. Thanks for listening to this episode of Creek Devil. If you or anyone you know has had an encounter with these creatures, please contact us at williamjevning at yahoo.com That's William, J-E-V-N-I-N-G, at yahoo.com. All communication is confidential. Join us for another program next week. And until then, keep your eyes open out there.